Welcome to the Ladies of LifeSite. We're ladies simply navigating the challenges and triumphs of this modern culture as moms, wives, sisters, and daughters. Join us each week as we discuss the raw questions and situations that we face through the lens of faith and freedom. So grab your cup of coffee, tea, or beverage of choice, and let's dive into this week's episode. Hey, Ladies of LifeSite listeners, I am just going to intro our episode really quickly and so we can dive right in. Today, I've got Claire Cretien, who is a long-term journalist and has been an editor for LifeSite for many years. She has a great amount of knowledge regarding the pro-life movement and a lot of the court cases that are currently happening right now, what's happening um, in the Supreme Court and and other places as well. So we're going to dive in and talk a little bit about the March for Life, as well as these court cases and kind of what's going on there. Thanks for tuning in to Ladies of Life site this week. We've been off for a couple of weeks, I know, but I'm really excited to connect with Claire Cretien, who is a long-term journalist and has been on our editorial team for a while. We're so excited to talk to you today, Claire. So today we're going to touch on the March for Life, which happens in a couple of days. Obviously, when, when this airs, it'll be in, in just one day. So I'm excited to talk about it. So tell us about your experience with the March for Life. Well, thanks for having me on the Ladies of Life site podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. And um, greetings to all the listeners. The March for Life is definitely the sort of the pinnacle of pro-life events and activism for each year. I've gone many times since my first March, which I think was in 2012, and it's a really, really important opportunity for pro-lifers to connect with each other, to learn more about the pro-life movement and where we stand, learn more about the reality of abortion, learn about supporting women so that they don't feel like they're forced to choose abortion and, and you know, supporting women who have been harmed by abortion. And it's really an important sign to the whole country and to the Supreme Court that there is a significant number of Americans who do not support abortion on demand and Roe v. Wade. And of course, this year, the court is actually considering overturning Roe v. Wade, which was the landmark decision to basically impose abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy in all 50 states. So this year will be a huge show of support from pro-life America that, yes, we want the court to overturn Roe and we want to we want every child to be welcomed in life and protected in law. Of course, in D.C., a new vaccine mandate has been implemented and it will be a lot more difficult for pro-lifers traveling uh, to D.C. who have not taken coronavirus injections because they won't be allowed to eat in restaurants, go to gyms or basically enjoy any sort of entertainment venue. But many pro-lifers, I think, are still going because they see that this is such an important opportunity and such an important time for us to show um, our pro-life beliefs. That's awesome that you've gone to so many, Claire. So tell us a little bit about kind of what it's like. So imagine that our listeners are somebody that's never gone. So what is it like when you when you show up at the at the march? Well, there are tons of people. It's always freezing cold. So 
a lot of pro-lifers come in on buses from all over the country. And so you've got tons of school groups, you've got college pro-life clubs, and then you've got church groups, parish groups, and everyone kind of convenes usually on the National Mall. And there's a, I mean, this is a, a giant crowd, right? And there's a big stage where there are, first there's a sort of a pre-rally Christian concert, and then there are speakers during the rally. And during this rally, everyone's getting pretty pumped up about the pro-life cause. And even though there are so many people there, it's weird how after you've gone a few times, you actually start to recognize groups. You start to see a lot of familiar faces and a lot of people you know all in the crowd. Even though there are you know, at least 100,000 people there, you actually end up seeing a lot of people that people who you know. So after these speeches and everyone is you know, shivering in the cold, everyone's freezing, everyone's trying to stay warm. People have beautiful banners and signs showing which group they're with and showing signs saying why they're pro-life. After this rally ends, pro-lifers then march up Constitution Avenue to the U.S. Supreme Court. And outside the U.S. Supreme Court, there are always women with Silent No More Awareness, which is uh, a group that speaks out about the harms after abortion. And so it's women who regret their abortions giving their testimonies. And that's always really powerful, especially right outside the Supreme Court. We wish the Supreme Court would listen to these women who have had such traumatic experiences. And, you know, we, we hope that the court will eventually rule in favor of life. The march itself is very, it can be very slow at times because there are so many people who are all going up this street and trying to stay in the street that's been blocked off for them. So sometimes you're going slowly and you're stuck in a big crowd. Other times you're going a little bit faster. There's always one particular group that leads the march this year. It'll be Christendom College, students from Christendom College, and there's a big March for Life banner. After the march, after it ends, there's a beautiful old right traditional Latin mass at St. Mary, Mother of God, in honor of the founder of the March for Life, Nellie Gray, who was very devoted to the ancient sacraments of the Catholic Church. There are also other events, conferences, people gather at pubs, people network. A lot of that, of course, had to change this year because of D.C.'s indoor vaccine mandate. So the March for Life Expo, which usually takes place before and after the march and and usually in the days leading up to it. The March for Life Expo has been canceled. That was an event where all the different pro-life groups who are coming in for the march set up tables and give out pamphlets, sell t-shirts, things like that. So the march is definitely going to look different this year, but I think the core of, of the event will remain the same, which will just be the rally and the pro-lifers gathering and the pro-lifers marching. I actually got to go to my first March for Life in person in 2020. So my daughter was just a couple months old and I'll never forget having like a group of women during the rally. It was like right before President Trump was going to speak and he was, you know, kind of getting ready to get on there. So there was kind of this lull and I had to nurse my my like three month olds while standing in this rally. And there was a bunch of women that just like crowded around. And I don't know, it was a really, really cool experience just to be, I don't know, loved on in that way. So that was 
that was really yeah, fun. I've seen, a lot of cool. I've seen a lot of babies and kids there. I mean, it's a very family friendly yeah. event. Nursing a baby in the freezing cold can't be easy. So it actually wasn't I mean, cold that year. So I was thankful for that. <laughs> I think but this year it's going to be it. freezing. It's supposed to be yeah. freezing this year. I don't think I was at the March for Life itself in 2020, but I was at the Students for Life conference. And it's so funny when we look back on these, you know, that was January 2020. So yeah. it was just about a month and a half before the whole world shut down yep. and before we totally had these radical changes to society. I mean, yeah. it's like the, it was the end of the before times. Yeah. I, it's, it makes me sad to think back on it because that was our last normal yeah. event, kind of. I mean, it was yeah. the last big normal thing that any of us did. So I am really interested kind of since you've been involved, especially in, in, in the DC area in like the pro-life movement specifically there, what your thoughts are, obviously life sites reported a lot on the fact that these COVID injections are abortion tainted. There's, there's, they're connected to, to abortions as are a lot of vaccines. So my question would be how many of these pro-lifers that are kind of descending on, on the mall to, for the March for Life, do you think have had the injection or are willing to kind of play by the rules in order to participate in this event? First of all, it's important to note the March for Life itself does not have a vaccine mandate. It's only for indoor events and that's all over the city. So, you know, pro-lifers can still gather outside for now. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't know. I have no idea what the actual breakdown of injected versus not injected will be. Yeah. But I think your average March for Life attendee is not cool with draconian mask mandates and vaccine mandates. And probably your average attendee is maybe 19 or 20, a college student, maybe younger. And so the coronavirus does not pose a significant risk to them. I would assume that most are unvaxxed. But Again, it, it, I really don't know. I mean, how many have been coerced by their job or their school into taking it or how many were misled by someone about why they should take it? So I have no idea what the actual vaccinated versus unvaccinated breakdown uh, would be of the marchers. Yeah, I think it obviously that was a, a challenging question and not one that will probably ever yeah, know. We'll see, we'll see how the city reacts. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I'm guessing a lot of pro-lifers will just go on their bus, get go into the city on their bus, march, and then get back on the bus because it's increasingly difficult to sort of exist in society in, in our blue cities without proof of coronavirus injection. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I'm certainly a, a little bit thankful that I don't have to, have to deal with that hassle this year and that I'll be just dealing with the watching it from the comfort of my own home. So. And our listeners can yes. get complete coverage on lifesitenews.com of the march and the speeches at the rally and everything else going on. We'll have tons of, of articles about it. Yeah, that's what I was. And also we've got, we'll have people on the ground, as you said, Claire, and we'll also have some of the marketing team will be on the ground too. So in addition to kind of what our video team is doing and the articles that'll be written, we'll also have some stuff going on on social media. So I'm pretty excited about it this year, to be honest. I think it'll have some really good coverage for everyone that's going to be at home. So be sure to, to be prepared for that. And you're probably hearing my sweet 
sweet two-year-old in the background. So I apologize for the extra noise. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit more about kind of these court cases. You've done some reporting on it. What's yeah. going on there and kind of what's the benefit of us pro-lifers continuing to march and continuing to prove that that obviously life begins at conception and, and, and ends at natural death. So tell us a little bit about why we should be still fighting even though there's court cases happening. So the court cases are all the more reason to keep peacefully, prayerfully witnessing and fighting for human rights for all humans. The, the U.S. Supreme Court right now is considering, they've already heard oral arguments in this case, they're considering basically whether Mississippi can ban abortion at 15 weeks. If they rule that Mississippi can indeed ban abortion at 15 weeks, that would mean the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which was the Supreme Court case that legalized abortion on demand all through the U.S. Roe has been enshrined in law for nearly 50 years. The overturning of Roe would just be enormously significant for U.S. abortion policy and for American culture. It would most likely say that states may enact abortion restrictions before about 24 weeks. There are a bunch of different possible outcomes that in this case, the Supreme Court could uphold Roe and say that there is a constitutional right to abortion on demand. They could overturn Roe and just say states may set their own abortion policy. They could say states may set their own abortion policy, but then they could pick an arbitrary standard like they can regulate abortion after 12 weeks or after 15 weeks or something like that. And so what's very, I think what's likely to happen is the court would overturn Roe, which would be an enormous victory for the pro-life movement, and basically just say states may set their own abortion policies. And in that case, blue states would get bluer and blue states would continue to allow abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, which they already do now. And red states would significantly restrict um, abortion and hopefully just become pro-life states. You know, there's always a tiny chance that the court could basically say under the 14th Amendment, the unborn are persons entitled to due process of law. That would be a huge victory, but that's that's really, really unlikely. The court will rule on this probably in June. And the court's already heard the oral arguments back in December. This is really big for the pro-life movement. This is kind of everything the pro-life movement has been working toward. And there were all of these different cases. I mean, we had Planned Parenthood v. Casey in 1992, which basically upheld Roe. But there have been a bunch of different Supreme Court cases about the abortion issue. And the court has pretty consistently ruled in favor of the abortion industry. But this case is different because it directly challenges Roe. It's not something like clinic regulations, which we saw argued in 2016. It's, it's a really just a simple black and white yes or no question. Can Mississippi ban abortions after 15 weeks. The pro-life movement has been speaking out about why this case is important and all of the different factions of the pro-life movement have weighed in. Something I think we ought to really listen to is women who have been harmed by abortions, women who've been harmed by late-term abortions, women who've been harmed by early abortions. You know, we should be listening to the pro-life doctors who are saying that they treat, you know, they, when they're treating a pregnant woman, they're treating her and the baby. And so anyways, yeah, this is a huge case and it will definitely be, I mean, it will be whatever the outcome is, it will be in history books. It will be really, really important. I know there are tons of pro-lifers who are just 
really waiting on on pins and needles to learn what the verdict is. Just like you said, especially if they if they do decide and it kind of becomes states' rights, then it does come back to a lot of what we've talked about throughout the last couple of years and the fact that local politics come into play again here. You know, if it if it does get overturned, then participating in in local politics, contacting your representatives and senators and moving towards making sure that the state that you're living in does restrict that as an important part of being a pro-lifer. There will for sure be a push for federal legislation after this. So you, you'll okay. be, we will definitely see after the court rules, we'll definitely see Democrats wanting to enshrine abortion into federal law. And we'll definitely see Republicans maybe floating some sort of abortion limit. But I think the Democrats are going to be a lot more extreme on this. They're going to want to enshrine abortion through all nine months of pregnancy into federal law. And Republicans will, of course, do what Republicans always do, which is tons of infighting and um, backtracking and worrying about messaging or whatever. And so Republicans would will, would probably introduce some moderate pro-life legislation, but I doubt that they would introduce a total, I don't know, a heartbeat ban or, or more. I don't know if they'll go that far. Obviously, a lot of pro-lifers would want them to, but Republican politics is a funny thing. How unfortunate, honestly. It's sad to hear that that's, there's some joking in there, you know, a little laughter because it makes it a little easier to comprehend and compress. But the pro-life movement, Reba, needs to be ready to spring into action. And I think we are. There have been a lot of different pro-life initiatives started. I mean, over the past, you know, 40 years, but also really over the past like 10 years, over the past 10 years, pro-life leaders have been of certain organizations have been preparing for what happens when Roe is overturned. Do women have somewhere to go? Do women have the help that they need? And so there are these, some great initiatives from Susan B. Anthony List, from Students for Life. Those are just two that come to my head immediately, but I know there are others out there that will help women with all the prenatal care, with you know the postpartum period, with getting child care if, if needed during the first year or anything like that. We did get to talk with the B-Rights. And so, we, you know, she even talked about some of the houses that are around that provide that too. So, you know, if, if in the next couple of months, even starting something like that in your own hometown would be an actionable item, you know, exactly. for our listeners and, and getting exactly. that up and going. Whether Roe gets overturned or not, that's going to provide benefit to your community regardless. So We need to be thinking about what kind of world do we want to live in? What kind of society do we want to live in? Do we want to live in a society where mothers are respected and loved and given the opportunity to thrive? And there's a lot of things that, you know, specific senators, I know Senator Josh, Josh Hawley put some stuff together for for that specifically to help with a lot of that and in, in ensuring that parenthood is is revered instead of looking at it like it's a, a burden or, or anything like that. Because I know. Right, and, that, and that both parents just need to be wage slaves, yeah. corporate wage slaves. Yeah. There's more to life than that. Life Absolutely. is about living and loving. It's it's yeah. not just about belonging to some soulless corporation. Yeah. Yeah. So I do agree. I, I hope that there's some of that. And I think that those are things that that some of our listeners can do. And I know we've talked a lot about about that on on our Ladies of Life site podcast. There's several episodes where we've interviewed with people, you know, how did they manage to continue 
pro-life activism with kids and how do we manage to fight for medical freedom with kids and how do we do all of these things and, and taking our kids along is part of it. And so even participating in in the launching of a, a home that can benefit those that are either in crisis pregnancy or even those that are that are in involved in a pregnancy that they've got a got a great husband and maybe a couple other kiddos but they need some more support because that's where we are in life you know and that's that's important and I think that's something else to to consider as well so there I think there's a lot of a lot of things that can be done and I think that's important to consider during this so I know that with this particular episode will also put some links in the description of places and and how to's to get you guys started our listeners started because between now and and june while we're all kind of waiting to hear what's going on in the court we can do some stuff instead of just kind of sitting sitting idly by which i'm preaching to the choir here because i i need to do more (laughs) so let's be excited about that so is there anything else that you would tell our listeners either about the march or these court cases or even just about the pro-life movement in general well first of all i would just emphasize the diversity of the pro-life movement there's so many different people who do different things based on what their talents are and what their state in life is there are wonderful pregnancy centers and medical professionals and political activists and just community organizers there's so many different parts of the pro-life movement that i'm sure whatever part you would feel most at home in listeners you you can find and you can find something that goes along with your talents and your time constraints and whatever. I would also just emphasize the the need to be compassionate and know that there are there are a lot of very deep wounds in our country and in our world. These wounds obviously we have original sin and so we are fallen people and there are a lot of people who are hurting, people who have been traumatized by abortion or people who just don't know that God loves them and that there is forgiveness and love available to them for free from God, and it's unconditional. God loves us so much. So I just want to emphasize that we, yeah, we need to know, we need to remember that there are a lot of deeply, deeply hurting people, and we need to do everything we can to reach them and help them heal and just teach them about the love of God and that there is hope, there, there is, there's hope and healing, and there's a better way that, that we can live a way where we don't have to be hurt and living in um, the pain of that hurt. You know, abortion has impacted so much, so many different parts of our culture. You know, it's impacted fatherhood. It's impacted kids who have lost siblings or, or things like that. So we're all broken. We're all hurting. And some people are really hurting. And we just need to do what we can to reach those so they can, they can live the fullness of truth and they can live in joy and they can live in peace and in inner peace. I love that. That is something that we that we do need to remember and keep at top of mind, especially while through the march, whether it's virtually or or there in in person, is to continue to lift up these these people that are contemplating this or that don't understand or, like you said, aren't aren't aware of what's going on and kind of what mm-hmm. their decisions are doing. We need to keep them in our prayers and not forget that piece of it either. And that there's something. I mean, there's something very powerful, obviously, about prayer. And even if you can't participate in the march or you can't participate in in something in your hometown, that is something that you can do, whether you're spending 5, 10, 15 minutes a day 
praying for this movement, praying for the justices' hearts to be softened, whatever, whatever comes to mind that is an actionable item that can be done and lifting that up to the Lord is, is an absolutely important part of this because it's a spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual battle as well because the enemy is is one who has fostered this culture of death that we live in. On oh, yeah, just encourage yeah. your listeners to all pray for a, a a beautiful March, and maybe this will be the last one. Maybe this will be the last yeah. one in January, and then it can change to June, and we'll be protesting a much less bad Supreme Court decision. Yeah, one that absolutely. does allow for some limits on abortion. So yeah. That would be nice because then it would be warm and not frigidly cold. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for me on the, the ladies podcast. It was great to be with you. Thanks, Claire, I appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll chat with you again soon. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this week for our episode um, with Claire Cartian, all about the March for Life and kind of what's happening in the pro-life movement right now. I would just like to invite you to click a couple of the links in the description. I'll put kind of where all you need to go in order to access LifeSite's coverage. We'll have some live streams. We'll have a couple of great video packages coming up. And, and then our our marketing team, we've got a couple people there that'll be helping with some posting on, on social media. So whether you are going to be tuning in from your house, be sure to check those out. And then if you're there in person, find a LifeSite person. They'll be there on the ground ready to to chat with you and connect. They'll all have LifeSite jackets on, so it'll be easy to find them. I am super excited for what we've got to offer, as I said, so be sure to tune in. And then we'll be back next week for another Ladies of LifeSite episode. So God bless you and have a great week.